0: hi and welcome to yes please your go-to podcast for all things sexuality pleasure and orgasms i've named this podcast yes please because that's how i want you to feel about all things sex pleasure and orgasms yes please and more I'm so glad you're here and that you want to learn more about how to experience more shameless pleasure, deeper satisfaction, and ecstatic orgasms in your life and sexuality, and I hope to inspire you to feel that you can embrace and celebrate your sexuality all throughout your life journey. This podcast isn't just about sex and sex education, however, it's about so much more personal growth, living a radiant and confident and authentic life, radical joy and expression and general fucking goodness. I'm your host, Erica Alsborn, and I'm a sexuality teacher and expert, sex and birth coach, but you can think of me more as your BFF who you love to talk to about sex and all the intimate things you don't feel comfortable talking about with anyone else. I celebrate the vast and diverse human, erotic, and sexual experience, and I embody a deep shamelessness when it comes to sex in all its different expressions. However, having said that, I'm a straight, able-bodied, cisgendered woman, and in my work I specialize in female sexuality, and I work with women with pussies, and while I have a broad and liberal approach to sex and a very extensive training, my knowledge is limited by my own lived experience as well as the focus in my professional work. But I hope you'll learn lots here with me. Expand your idea of what sex is and can be and mean for you, and even though I'm an expert on this topic, I'm not an authority. Everything I share is always a suggestion, not a must, so take what resonates and leave the rest behind. I'm always open to receiving your constructive feedback, so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any. Okay. Hi, and welcome again. I'm delighted that you're here, and now let's dive into today's topic. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Yes, Please. And today's episode is another guest episode where I had the pleasant and lovely opportunity to speak with Carly Pfeiffer. Carly is the founder of Aurora, a literary erotica online site, which is amazing, which is why I reached out to her and said, please come on the pod. Let's talk about erotica. (laughs) Um, So Carly is a writer with a history of exploring taboo topics, including sex and sobriety, abortion, abusive relationships, and of course, real erotica. And in the conversation, we dive into her background, what led her to become a, uh, an erotic writer or a writer of erotica and how that journey was for her and how she then um, founded her own business and online platform to provide conscious, ethical, delicious, diverse literary erotica for people. Especially for women. And uh, when we talk about how erotica, and in this case, literary erotica, can be so empowering and, in fact, so important for a woman's eroticism and arousal and turn on and her sexual wellness, health, and thriving. So, this episode beautifully builds on the conversation I had with Lisa from Please Pinch Me Hard a couple of weeks ago. So, if you haven't listened to that, be sure to do that. I'll link it in the show notes, but you can just scroll back. I think it's episode 47 or something where we talk about erotica as well and how important it is for women to have erotic stimulation um, for uh, her sexuality, for her brain to be thinking in sexual ways so that the distance from the ordinary self to one's erotic self isn't so huge and hard to... um, Yeah, to cross over, to cross into and step into that erotic self. So I love that we have this uh, episode today for you with Carly. Carly's also written all the vanilla stuff, (laughs) like writing for Perrier, Sparkling Water, and Burrow Couches, and Blake Lively, and stuff like that, but... She really came alive um, as a writer when she um, started exploring literary erotica. So definitely check out Aurora, the link is below, and uh, listen to this episode, do the homework, and at the end of our conversation, the episode transforms into a sample erotic story that Carly so generously shared with me to share with you so that you can get a taste of what a written uh, of what a um well yeah a written story read out loud what that can do for you and it's a uh, fascinating non-pc delicious uh story so stick around for that towards the end it's about 10 12 minutes long it's a sample and then you can see you know what that does to your brain and to your turn on and to your sexuality when you listen to erotica. And then of course, head over to our site to check out more written erotica. There's also guided pleasure stuff and more read out loud stories and see if you feel it's worth to invest in a membership with Aurore. All right. Enjoy. Hi, Carly. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you.
1: Me too. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yay. And I love your cap. It says, read
1: porn. <laughs> Always representing. This exactly. is actually just my morning look. I'm like, okay, how can I put together my outfit in five minutes? Well, well done. And, um, uh, and
0: I'm so, uh, I'm so excited to be here talking about this topic and it really beautifully um, kind of not segues, but it's uh, a few, um, weeks ago, there was another woman on the podcast who who talked about just the importance of turning on your mind for women and for mothers. And uh, we talked about cognitive arousal and all those kinds of things. So it's such a beautiful like part two uh, to that conversation. And I'm talking so Carly here is a provider, a creator of that kind of amazing content. So Carly, without further ado, please. Please share a little bit about yourself and the work that you do so that um the listener can yeah, can get to know you a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, um a little about my background, I guess. Um I've always been a writer and I've always been interested in writing about sex and and more taboo topics, I guess. Um I've always been very curious and when I was younger, I think that got me into some trouble, but as I got older, you know, I I really wanted to experience as much as I could, and I wanted to know what other people were doing in all kinds of ways. And I I think I'm a straight shooter. I, I'm i really straight to the point when talking. So when I first moved to the city, to New York City, um, in my mid-20s, I was working um, as an intern for this magazine called Nerve, and it was one of the original erotica sites um they also had a dating site that was like very new at the time like online dating wasn't really a thing back then and um i would do these interviews that were like talking to strangers about their sex lives and we would go to a bar like me and other interns and just ask people these questions and get really personal really quickly and so after doing that kind of writing. I had always wanted to do other sex writing and it's, you know, in New York city, the writing world is very competitive and it's a lot of ups and downs and I kind of ended up in like the content, like ad agency world. And one summer I got laid off, you know, the agency lost the client and I decided instead of being, you know, really just nervous and trying to get a new job that I was gonna go, travel through europe and i was going to give myself a project um to do while traveling so that i felt like i was like had a purpose and i started going on dates through tinder in all the different cities that i was in i actually made it to sweden as well and i went on several dates there and like the the point of these dates was to get to an intimate place with these people learn about what they wanted from relationships and what they you know had insecurities about and like kind of compare like are we all the same or are like culturally we really different and what ended up happening with a lot of these dates is i ended up being intimate with these people because we got to this really deep deep place like so quickly we were just so unguarded and this is a long way of telling how I started Aurora because I, I had these stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had these stories that I really wanted to tell both the the story of meeting and talking, but also the sexual aspect of the story because I thought it was really beautiful. It was a really beautiful experience, and because I didn't see a place to like put those stories, I decided to start my own thing, and so Aurora is a place for real sex stories to share your best experiences and um, and to be more than just sex it's not meant to just be about sex it's meant to be about people and how we connect with others and now I started it and officially launched in 2019 and um, and now we have over 200 stories by that many writers So. A lot of people also wanted to tell their stories and people want to read them and yeah it's it's really rewarding work um i work one-on-one with writers still to kind of urge them to go deeper with their stories and it's you know i watch people go through these like emotional like cathartic experiences writing so i love the work it's it's really really special i think and yeah, I'm excited to share it with you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing and for giving us that backstory. That was so <laughs> interesting and fascinating to to hear. And I intimately feel way more connected to you, like understanding that what a yeah, well, what a journey it was. Uh also honestly a little jealous of your dating. <laughs>
1: adventures that sounds so much
0: fun (laughs) and i love how you emphasize the intimacy and how you were able to go deep and how i mean i see this in my work with my group programs and um, especially my group programs where i i you know a bunch of women like 20 30 women come together in a um in a container And then we cut through the bull, like we'll basically skip all the bullshit and we go straight to the core. Like you said, you know, you went to these bars and you interviewed strangers and you asked questions and the ones that are willing to open up, like it, when you just skip all the bullshit and all the small talk and the ins and outs of the day and how it was, and you go to the most intimate and sometimes vulnerable part of the human experience, sexuality, you meet people. So like incredibly like you just meet like there's something that happens in that meeting that is so dynamic and so vibrant and so alive and I see how that really turned you on and you wanted like to explore that more in your writing and how that um, was a fascinating aspect of your dating
1: well I I think I want to like say with the caveat that it's Easier said than done. And I think there's a tourist traveler's mentality that when you're abroad, when you're somewhere that isn't home, it's not your real life. And so you're able to meet people in a more honest way and be more vulnerable because you have less to lose. And you're also just so much more open to experiences because you're not living your daily life. And so it's something I do try to take with me other places or when I'm in New York City and need kind of like to be knocked back into a good place I see everything like pretend I'm a tourist and like wide eyes and go into relationships that way too because it's so easy to get caught up or like be dating for you know to find somebody to settle down with but when you're dating just to get to know people I think it's you you actually get a lot further, um, a lot faster than yeah. when you have an agenda.
0: Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you. Being a retired world traveler myself, uh, I definitely know that feeling of uh, like the heightened richness or like the heightened sensitivity to impressions and people and meetings and like having very little or just maybe another facade, but like, cause we all, we always have facades and egos, right, but still like that kind of like, openness like I just want to drink it all in you're wide-eyed you're open you're curious you're so attentive to details in 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 places but in people as well and now (laughs) for example me I've lived in my hometown now I moved back after a decade of traveling um, on and off and I moved back and I've been living here for the last nine years and I can and I've been in a relationship a long-term relationship with my husband for nine years and I can definitely like see how you know complacency and and a kind of beautiful routine like you fall into a beautiful kind of cadence with life as well it's not just a negative thing but you're on autopilot and when you travel you're so not on autopilot and everything is just so rich and like intensified and amplified in color and in and in experiences
1: um absolutely
0: but yeah so you started a roar and um, because you wanted to bring these stories about sexuality and, and humanity through sexuality to people, what has been the personal impact on that for you? I'm curious, as you were writing more about sexuality and writing sexual stories, and does it that, did it feel like confessional? Did it feel experimental? Like, I'm curious if you want to share.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think in the beginning, I was writing stories about my past um, and because I also ended up when I really launched Aurora, it was like a very dark time for me. I had again, like I'm saying, the job land in advertising and stuff like I had again like got laid off. So I was doing nothing. I had just broken up with someone and I was like really needed a project. And so I started writing and it was a lot of reflection on past relationships. And I always wanted Aurora to be um, a positive space, positive stories, even though I'm very personally, I'm pretty cynical and like I'm the first to admit like a lot of sex is not good. So, I still wanted the stories to be celebratory. Like I didn't want it to be a place where you kind of complain about people or, you know, talk about bad sex. Um and it was extremely healing for me, I think in that time, to be writing about my past partners and basically trying to find the beauty in those relationships. So even if they had ended in a bad way, writing these little moments that we shared together was really impactful for my overall healing and in fact ended up being kind of a catalyst to reconciling with some of my past partners because i would like send these stories (laughs) which is kind of scary thrilling fun yeah (laughs) and i think it's (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) what a farewell or like
1: (laughs) yeah people really it's an interesting thing like people I think really enjoy reading about themselves as sexual creatures they're like oh I did that or I made you feel that and so that's like what has been I think surprising for me is the levels of empowerment with these stories that You know, it is important to get consent if you're writing about somebody that you're in a relationship with. And we do ask, like, for you to change details if you're writing about somebody so it's not identifiable. But, you know, to be able to share these stories with people that you had these beautiful relationships with, but you're no longer with, it's a memorial to that time you spent. So I think they enjoy it. And you got that out. And also strangers on the internet are enjoying it in whatever kind of ways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's been, I think that's like a really surprising part for me Mm -hmm. um, that I've really enjoyed. And I know other people also have shared their stories with their partners. And sometimes I can see actually on our Instagram, like we had A story a few weeks back and it was about like a southern guy and um you know he had been described as like covered in tattoos and like blonde and then someone with the same name so this person didn't change names followed us and started like liking those posts about the story and I was like oh god this is the guy from the story (laughs) so it's really because it's real life it's like wow these people are really letting me into their most private moments and yeah yeah, it's really it's interesting
0: it's very interesting there are two things that I want to mention here so one is like if you're listening your homework is to um write out a one like one of your favorite sexual experiences and write it out in like third person uh i sometimes give this practice to clients actually uh, to describe their experiences in third person because when you change their perspective from i to her or they or whatever like third person you see things differently than when you're experiencing from that i perspective right and so that's an amazing practice for anyone to to do so if you feel if you feel a desire to do that uh take carly's words for it on um, just how empowering that can be um and then you can choose if you share it with your partner or with that person um, but see it as a practice for you and then secondly what it made me think of is you know one of the big issues with mainstream visual porn that i see and that i've experienced um in my own like well in my experience of of consuming of watching that kind of porn is the feeling of inauthenticity um that it's literally acting you have these sexual gladiators and they're doing these you know gladiator sexual things and some of them I can do and I'm like yeah babe or like yeah I can do that too and I feel super proud or inspired or I'm like I'm gonna do that eventually uh and that can feel fun and you know be really um exciting and all of that but a lot of the porn, especially like mainstream porn that you find on the mainstream big sites, it just re- like reeks in authenticity. Like you know that that's not real, they're pretending, she's faking, et cetera, et cetera. But the kind of the the approach in all all porn or all, all erotica is to bring, I, well, I, I mean, I guess, bring the consumer the sense that it is real that it is uh, an experience and give the consumer a sense of like, I am, I'm watching something, I'm having a, an authentic experience from that. So what really lights me up about this, um, because I'm reading your stories, I have a membership on it with your site, is knowing that a lot of them are actually real lived life experiences. And that just adds a le- level of like spice, I don't know, like of richness and, and deliciousness to it because it's not just an mm-hmm. imaginary story, but when you know it's been lived, I don't know. For me, it makes it feel like it it adds a different tonality to it or feeling tone to it.
1: Totally, and I think for me too, the ethics involved, um, I think the consent is so important for me when I'm watching visual porn. I'm like, is this woman enjoying this or not? Yeah. And that can really take me out of the moment if I start to be concerned for her, (laughs) you know? And I think that with written stories like this that have been lived, it's like no one has been hurt or coerced into this. Mm -hmm. Everyone has consented to this experience and is reflecting on it as a positive experience. And I think like viewing pornography and all sexual stuff like, I think most women have had uh, experience with sexual assault. And so I think that for me, vibes are so important. And to keep a space sacred um, when I'm sexual in any way, like I don't want to see the ads on these porn sites because they're upsetting, they're like disgusting. And so even if you found porn that you like, you still have to climb through all this Discussing stuff to get there and like I think a lot of women just want something that feels beautiful and like create your space and have the pornography that you're consuming reflect that and that's one part of creating the website Aurora like I didn't want there to be ads I wanted it to feel very beautiful sophisticated and not make you ever have bad vibes. You're never gonna see something that you can't unsee or that's gonna ruin your mood when you're trying to get in the mood, you know? I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, it's a huge piece, that sense of safety and ethical consent and being, um, yeah, just free from all of that other stuff that is (laughs) like the weeds. And so I, I think it's safe to say that both of us agree that porn and ero- well erotica is empowering for women and that women like consuming erotic material and women are just as erotic erotically oriented as men or regardless of gender. And um, it's just a matter of having the right content space and um and vibe
1: yeah absolutely i would agree that women are just as horny as men <laughs> Fuck yes. if not more
0: <laughs> i would say more i would just you know and research has shown actually um modern um, sex research has shown that women need more diversity more sense of novelty and that women more so than men get bored in long-term relationships sexually, Because we're wired for novelty and adventure, and so that's where erotica plays a huge part in teasing the mind, keeping your mind erotically activated, and not get too complacent and safe, and like step in or like fall into that oh you know obligation. But you literally need to activate the brain, your biggest erogenous zone, in order to maintain sexual desire in a long term. relationship so
1: and also i would say that in terms of you know some couples do i think try to watch pornography together i don't know that that's something that i would personally feel comfortable with but reading erotica together or sending an erotic story that you enjoyed and want your partner to kind of learn from i think that that's something at least like as a baby step to other more kinky stuff, like that's a place where you're not going to feel like you actually have someone in the room with you, you know, this is something you're both using your imagination. So there isn't this visual impact that I think can be really challenging for women sometimes because the visuals are not always uh, realistic or, you know, kind or positive for women. And that can be really harmful.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely i 100% agree and the imagination is such a powerful tool uh, so when we feed it and we like have the the right fertilizer and thoughts and permission and space to play and explore with that like it's really it's not surprising to me but it can feel really surprising just how much arousal you can cultivate through seemingly simple things and like simple shifts and like For example, reading a story, Um, because your brain is such a habitual tool. So it's going to think the same thoughts all over and over and over again, if you don't plant something new in front of it, and you take a, a conscious, active, like choice to do it. And so if you, if you read a story, about sex all of a sudden there's a little light that starts going off in the brain going sex ooh, like <laughs> i'm sexual and if you're you know if you're knee deep in in mothering and childhood like rear like child rearing and all of that stuff your brain's not gonna go there necessarily like um, on its own, you're gonna have to remind yourself consciously that you are still a sexual person when there's like all of these other things that feel so not sexual and so not exciting and so not erotic. Um, but your brain's totally on board if you just give it that inspiration and what just like you say what literary erotica does is it provides that information it provides the space to go and and imagine and come alive in a way without getting restricted by the the visual by that woman or that man or that constellation or that thing or and also to a certain degree your uh, negative feelings towards porn because a lot of women feel they have a lot of like issues with porn for good reasons and also there is way to change that and I'm not I'm not against uh visual porn I think it has a place and uh, just like anything there's good quality and bad quality porn but literary erotica Mm -hmm. is like you say it's a very kind of safe place in in the sense that you just don't have to deal with a lot of that bullshit with the ads and the stereotypical bodily like shapes and sizes and expressions of sex that just feel so restricting uh, and maybe in many Mm -hmm. ways so hard to relate to
1: yeah absolutely and I will say too that the genre of literary erotica and romance of course does suffer from some of the same issues that visual pornography does in terms of like you know, believability, realistic scenarios, problematic like gender roles. Like, if you've read Fifty Shades of Grey or romance novels, you'll know that, you know, some of that writing is not amazing and has introduced ideas about kink and BDSM that aren't really how the community works. Yeah. I do think, like, you know, I, those books are not for me but i think it's great that it did open a lot of conversations and i would love to see like older women reading 50 shades out in public like i think that's great and that's certainly been a step forward for our society but like at least in the united states um romance novels are the like best-selling books in I mean could be the world I'm not sure but like women really do like these stories and yeah I think that Aurora is kind of an answer to that in a sense of like if you like stories like this but you want them to be well written uh written by your peers people that think like you that have similar politics um and more progressive gender roles more queer stories you know that's that's kind of what aurora answers for that whole genre but because i was thinking as you were discussing the issues with porn a lot of that is present (laughs) in romance and erotica literature but yeah
0: that's true thank you for um just emphasizing that or sharing that because yeah it's definitely true and usually what we see with like smaller or not just smaller businesses, but like, because it's kind of the same with, with porn, you have like Erica Lust providing a beautiful alternative to mainstream porn, or you have um, make love, not porn also providing this beautiful alternative. And so usually it's the smaller, more indie uh, independent actors and Mm -hmm. providers on in the industry that provide that, sense of nuance and and progression of the work and that's kind of what you well, guys they're making, are making
1: yeah making work for women I think and it's still even though women do have this huge spending power I think a lot of content is still created for the male gaze and even though like you know it, it should be I think moving the the needle should be moving this way by now but as you you know we both know there's a lot that we are going backwards in many many ways but I do think that smaller indie stuff is often making stuff for women from a woman's perspective and because of that you know even just thinking about like Instagram and I'm sure you know as a sexual educator like so much you're up against so much like you aren't able to post things and even though you're not selling sex you're not being you know showing nudity for any other reason except to educate like it's still it's not allowed but then there's like playboy which just like censors nipples but you can see like everything it's like why is this okay but what I'm doing is not and yeah it's it's frustrating it's really difficult it's super frustrating.
0: Every day I'm like, is my account going to be shut down? <laughs> like sometimes literally every day I'm like, is the app going to open today? And like, let me yeah. in. It's it's so frustrating. And it it's true what you say. Women have a lot of um, spending power We and we have a lot of money these days. And so what the beautiful thing, I think the needle definitely is moving. And one of the reasons why I, and I invited you on to the pod is because I love the work that you do. I think it's high quality. It's beautiful. It's so tasteful, elegant, and sexy, and a beautiful asset in a woman's sexual like wellness toolbox and the resources that mm-hmm. she needs or a couple or whatever. But uh, since I have uh, the majority of my listeners are women, um you know I'm I want to bring this. I wanna bring awareness to this. I oftentimes speak about you know, the importance of turning your mind on and owning your sexuality and owning your turn on and no partner can turn you on. It's your responsibility. You have to work with your body and understand what your body and brain need in order to experience um, sexual thriving. And so I really wanna emphasize that there are alternatives to mainstream porn. So it's not like all or nothing and because women have felt like something's missing here like there's no nothing that i like or love okay i'll create it myself and so this is the beautiful thing about capitalism and internet and Mm -hmm. you know there are some dines downsides to it for sure as well but one of the beautiful Mm -hmm. pros is that we can actually say fuck it i'll do it and uh and it's gaining momentum uh massive momentum and i think it started with um, like Erica Lust has grown huge uh, and a lot of people know about her. And so she kind of started, well, there are other ones as well, but uh, she's done a really, really great job at that. And I feel like what's kind of, what's coming next is literary erotica developing and becoming bigger and also audio erotica with like Dipsy stories and they're different, like mm-hmm. they're bigger actors and then there are sm- uh, bigger brands and there are smaller ones and Uh, like local national ones as well in in many countries and so I'm loving this movement that is happening and it's women on the forefront of that because they need to create the content that they're missing um Mm -hmm. and I'm like the revolution is happening
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hope so I think we are I think we are in it and yeah there's still so much to come and there are so many options now and i think that that is really amazing like i wish so much that i had this when i was younger i think it would have been really really helpful in more formative years where you are i think introduced to visual pornography quite young but I never really felt comfortable navigating it at that time and I mean still I think I have like just trouble you know finding things that really feel right for me so having the audio and having the literary options I mean I do remember being young and reading some romance novels kind of by accident you know like my friend gave me something a Jackie Collins book and I remember the descriptions of like bodies being like wow this is so hot I like, really loved reading porn always um because I think you can like linger there it's such a more slow sensual space to to get turned on and and you know like read that paragraph five times if you want to
2: yeah. um
1: and yeah there's so much possibility there and I always say like sometimes people will say, like, we want more stories like this on the site. And I'm like, you need to write the stories that you want to read. Like, these are, this is your power. Like, you can, there's a space for you to submit, you can create these stories. And I do also get people responding to stories like, I've never had my experiences represented until I read this story. And that's so empowering. That's amazing so i do aim like for our stories to be about more than just sex to not to teach a lesson but to have some like learning and growth in them you know even if it's just like pinpointing a fantasy and and enacting it and i think you know thinking through like what story would you write is that's just a powerful exercise as well and we used to do writing workshops and I would say like you know you can take this into your real life by when you are being intimate or having sex like think about how you would write it and then you can perform sometimes performing can get you really into that zone like help you cross that bridge and yeah like do it for the story what would make a good story and that can make things a little more exciting you know.
0: I love that suggestion. Do it for the story, the one that you'll write yourself tomorrow. Yeah. And about this brave <laughs> woman who stepped out of her comfort zone and did something that she wanted, for example, whatever. Um, I mm-hmm. love that. I really, really love that. And it's so true because it's it really like sex and intimate experiences. It's a place we go to. We get to, well, we ought to transform into like an alternate kind of self because it's not your ordinary self that you have sex from your erotic mind and your erotic self feels different she she does things differently and even if you have vanilla sex it's not about like but especially if you do if you enjoy sex that maybe is not completely pc or that you wouldn't do like you wouldn't enjoy getting slapped in the face by someone in the street but you might get you might get a lot of enjoyment from getting slapped by your partner in a sexual situation so when um But even if you have more vanilla sex, it's like, what's the level of presence or touch or breath or expression or just like intimacy that you allow yourself to do or be seen or lead or guide or be led and surrender. Like there are so, so, so many aspects of how we express ourselves in a sexual situation where there's an invitation to go beyond the ordinary self. And so it's It's like you write a story every time, and also we oftentimes um you know I learned this in um at my sexology master's degree. when it comes to how we show up and how we have sex, oftentimes we have this internal script right? There's a script theory, it's called Um, just like we have a script for who we are and our how we operate on a on a like on a societal level, there's a script, Erica, I've dress, i move, I talk like this, I don't I do all like usually we have a pretty set script for who we are, or a pattern, a habit, a behavior, and then we call that a personality, right. But so for your sexuality, there's a sexual script. So what if you chose a different script and wrote a story? That was slightly different. um there's amazing opportunities for a sense of novelty there that can spark desire and make it feel fresh and alive and exciting and mysterious and maybe a little bit not dangerous, but like dipping your toe into not feeling so one hundred percent secure and that's usually when we feel more arousal so try it. <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah um what has been like your experience since you're you work in the field of sexuality you run this business what's been your experience I'm just curious from like peer-to-peer kind of um uh, like peer-to-peer like how has it been to start this company and um what's the reactions that you get from people and like friends and family and things like that I'm just curious
1: yeah it has been interesting um my current partner I've been with for going on four years so actually our first date was right in the um midst of my Kickstarter campaign for Aurora. so I ran like initially to raise money to launch the site um I was running a campaign and I remember, you know, going on a first date and like telling somebody that this is what I do. It was always a little bit weird. Um, Different people reacted differently. I think a lot of men immediately would assume like, oh, you um, have a sex job. Like, so you're definitely going to have sex with me now. (laughs) Right. Um, Which is not true. And um, he just was like interested and supportive he donated to the campaign the day after our date I was like oh okay Good Good um, move. <laughs> he has been yeah right like smart move um he's been really supportive and I think that's the most important thing and I don't know how it would be um if I had already been in a relationship and then started it because I think that there's you know a normal amount of kind of jealousy, like, of course, I'm writing stories about my past a lot of the time. So there is this kind of like, oh, that's weird. Um, What the first story I wrote about my current partner, <laughs> I didn't tell him didn't realize that he was as like, much reading the emails in the site as he was. And so then he had to be like, Is this me? And I was like, Oh, yeah. So now I definitely ask for um, consent with the caveat of like I'm asking for consent but I'm also like telling my story so you don't really get to say like I remember don't kill me for this but in a story I wrote like you know I being realistic was like you know it doesn't last long and he's like can you take that part out and I was like absolutely not like you know this is the whole point is being realistic and honest and authentic and that's a very normal thing like don't like be insecure about that but it is interesting to see the sexual insecurities that men have too because I think sometimes those get forgotten as women because we're so caught up in our own um but yeah I would say Sex has always been kind of a big part of my identity. So most friends are not surprised. I think it's more, you know, when I meet someone at the dog park and they're like, what do you do? Well, if I'm wearing my reed Bourne hat, yeah. <laughs> it's easier to like, just get there. But you know, yeah, sometimes with family, do you sometimes say people, you're just a
0: writer? All- when you meet strangers and you're like oh I I can't be fucked getting into it this
1: is a women's wellness site you know like I don't want to get into it but but I do try to share as honestly as possible because I think it's important to normalize um I I think that we're so squeamish about sex like we all got here through sex you know people that have little kids and get weird about it like oh how did you get these kids here (laughs) like we're all fucking so like let's just be adults and talk about it and the more we talk about it the better sex we're gonna have it's it's just common sense so yeah I'm hoping that my outspokenness can somehow lead to people being curious and you know maybe they're looking up the site after I tell them and they're gonna learn something and hopefully you know yeah i think that's
0: 100% the case and i always think that even if you never really talk about it but especially if you talk about it and especially in your case and mine where we very publicly talk about sex um it has ripple effects on society and on changing their narrative and the knee jerk like shame reaction towards oh actually this is like just like brushing my teeth but in terms of like how human it is of course it has more significance than brushing your teeth and it's way more vulnerable and intimate but it shouldn't feel stranger than any other thing that you do that you care that is care for your body or care for a relationship and so i think you're doing a very very good job at that and you should be proud of yourself and i'm happy that your Thank partner you. is so supportive i was actually talking to my <laughs> husband about this yesterday cuz it was. We were actually in a relationship before I started my business and before I became a sex coach, and I had a very ordinary job of working as a nurse. Um, so he he didn't kind of like know what he signed up for <laughs> when, he, when we got together, and, and neither did I because I hadn't really realized yet that that was my I, I guess part like my mission or whatever my my work he's so supportive. But we were talking about it yesterday, because I was uh, featured in the in a big national um, newspaper, uh, like one that everyone reads. Um, And it was front page. And it was and the title of the article was uh, how we have an orgasm. And it was me and two other women who were interviewed. Um, Wow, it said underneath orgasm expert, Erica, and then the other two women. And it was published fr- late friday night and so we both my husband and i woke up saturday morning to lots of text messages and screenshots and <laughs> links from friends like all of his friends were like you know sending really good stuff like high fives and i need to send my wife to you that's a very common one <laughs> oh, wow. um so beautiful responses right and by now like all of our friends know and it's just, you know it's not a it's not a like a a, like a thing that makes people giggle anymore because they're so used to to me and my work and my my business but still it's and we talked about it and he was like you realize that it takes like it takes conscious effort and strength for me to like be your husband and like have you have my wife have such a strange job um Mm -hmm. and so I mean I'm I'm so, so grateful. He's my number one fan and also my biggest muse. So I'm super, Mm -hmm. super grateful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But, but also what you said, and sometimes I still get that feeling like, ah, you know, I can feel like I can feel my inner, like the inner parts of myself just drop when I see the article or like when I think about the com I usually make my comp my friends my best friends go into Facebook and check the comments on the articles because you know oh, people lovely. are feral you in the read those. comments yeah. so I don't go there anymore so I just like send my friend there and like do damage control is it really bad do I need to step in and like Uh, like confront people because I will confront people if they say really like bad or or incorrect things but if people are just saying like silly things I don't you know I let it slide but I don't want to read it but then I think about like what's what's my truth if I don't care about people liking me what's my truth and my truth is orgasm makes life better orgasm should be available to everyone sex is the most normal natural beautiful human things that saves marriages that makes people feel alive and vital and fucking amazing why should we not talk about this we should like this should like like you said like people are fucking so why not be talking about it and i will do the talking i'll 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 take the ridicule i'll take the mocking i don't fucking give a shit usually the people who mock or say bad things are the ones having bad sex so honestly you're loss, and I'm making good money from this so I mean best revenge is your paper as she says you know <laughs> Yeah. but still in terms of like the mission and I'm like oh all right I'll carry the burden of being the one to normalize this over and over and over and over again because that's my truth and that's unshakable yeah. in me like and so deeply embodied
1: yeah and as you get bigger i think the the audience that you have to answer to becomes more diverse and and maybe not as clued in to this revolution that we've spoke of but i do like the idea of you walking down the street and somebody being like that's the orgasm expert <laughs> like i, I want you to be days. like a recognizable face <laughs> as <laughs> orgasm expert it's actually
0: happened and it may be so happened and so yeah and sometimes people start like you know sometimes when people look at you and like is she staring because i have something on my face or is <laughs> and then i realize oh i'm kind of famous now <laughs> that's probably why they stare because
1: I'm the orgasm expert obviously (laughs) that's why they're staring obviously
0: that's why I love
1: that yeah yeah
0: yeah well before well to wrap up or before we wrap up um how can people uh get more of your amazing work Carly where do they find a war and what would like is there anything you want to share about the site and what you offer
1: well, um, yeah, you can access the site at readarore.com. And that's also our Instagram handle, readarore. Um, We're pretty active on Instagram. And I think that that's a great place to kind of jump off. Like we share story teases each week. And um, we also open up questions to our community to share their own you know mini confessions and experiences like as much as can fit in those little question and answer boxes um but that's a really good place to start we are having an audio next week actually this guy that i found just through our instagram community with a very sexy scottish accent people kind of voted we had this story and question about like what's the sexiest accent and people were very very adamant that scottish accents are <laughs> top notch so that's hilarious have this, yeah <laughs> that's it's amazing. like it's intense too wow. and when he like auditioned or when he first contacted me he like gave me an audio email like he read the email to me and hearing him say my name I was like like I like kind of want to like hide when I hear his voice like it's so intense (laughs) Uh,
0: so I'm really
1: excited about that Um, we do have also audio solo pleasure sessions that we recently launched um, where those are people sharing exactly how they touch themselves masturbating Um, We're going to do some more of those in May. So there's lots to explore on this site. And yeah, I I am always open to new submissions as well. So if any of um, your listeners do the assignment that you gave earlier, they can always develop that into a bigger story and submit. And that submission form is also on the site. So yeah, I hope some beautiful things come of this
0: yeah I think so and just um and oh and regarding the the homework you can definitely write in first person too but it's kind of fascinating to write in third person just to see what happens um but permission to write in whatever form you want obviously um is there
1: anything else you want to share I can provide you a story if you want to like add it to the podcast so Mm -hmm. you can like play it that story is in particular um talking about or writing the experience of um one woman's like very dark kind of secret fantasy where she goes into a chat room called degrade and abuse and Mm -hmm. she offers herself up to these men to kind of just like let them tell her what to do and it's obviously something that is kind of against her political views you know she's a feminist she would never do this in real life but she is so turned on by it and it's a it's an interesting exploration of like balancing something so taboo that kind of freaks you out grosses you out but also turns you on and so I think it's a pretty powerful story
0: lovely okay cool so we'll add that no, I think that's it. Is there anything else you want to share or does that feel complete? No,
1: it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. I feel like we covered a lot of it. We did. We
0: did. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, coming on and taking the time to share. And I hope, I know last time I posted about your work and I posted some stories. I know some people jumped at it and signed up and were are so excited. So if you oh, that's so been, great yeah if you've been you know if if you as a listener feel like you're missing that erotic inspiration and you feel it's really hard to switch on like switch off your ordinary brain and switch on your your erotic brain and and you know look at your partner or sexualize or eroticize yourself or your partner and get that inspiration Literary erotica can be an amazing tool, an amazing asset. So definitely check out um, Aurora's site. All the links, the 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 link is below the website link, and the Instagram link as well. And um, yeah, I hope I hope you learned a thing or two today, or felt inspired to really celebrate your erotic mind and all your fascinating and amazing erotic experiences. And there's some beautiful homework for you today after the episode. So um, thank you, Carly, for taking the time, for being here and for the work that you do. And it was really wonderful having this conversation. I appreciated it a lot.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. You're
2: listening to Aurora Erotica. The Slut Show by Ivy Jones. Show your manners and present your body for the men to see, slut. The man I know only as Dean has added me to a chat group of random men who know each other only from the internet. The group is called Degrade and Abuse, and that's what we're all here for. Until I ask to leave the group, they can tell me to do anything they want. Up until a minute ago, I would have described myself as curious, nervous, and incredulous that I was doing such a stupid thing. Now, I'm suddenly more turned on than I've been in my entire life. My hands shake as I unbutton my jeans. I get on my knees, snap a photo of my naked body from the neck down, and hit send. Usually, I take five nudes and send the best one. But Dean has specified in-app photos, and the app doesn't save them if you don't send them. And the chat is already filling up with messages demanding to see me. The photo shows the tattoo over my left breast. A no-no for sharing photos with strangers like this. I hope that I can keep my face out of future pictures. There is so much technology out there to connect my professional self to my nudes, or even create nudes from scratch using deepfake technology. But if I'm being honest with myself, the risk is part of what is making my pussy so wet it threatens to leave a puddle on the floor. With some difficulty, because photographing your own butt is hard, I comply with their next request, to turn around and let's see the whore from behind. Welp, there's my other tattoo. Good thing practically everyone I know has this black linework botanical bullshit on their shoulders. And I really don't know what to do with the request to spread your ass for me. I don't have three hands, and the camera doesn't have a timer. I decide to go for a short video instead. I'm so wet my hands slip. Thank God they let me lie down next and show them my finger slipping in and out of my glistening folds. Much easier to photograph, for one and less danger of showing recognizable parts of my body. Plus, I might pass out from horniness if I have to remain standing and not touching myself. The quick escalation to seeing the most private parts of me makes me throb even harder with a potent hormonal cocktail of eroticized fear. We're less than ten minutes in, and I'm already showing them my pussy. Where else is this going to go? I could see myself falling down this rabbit hole big time, chasing the intensity going more and more extreme to recreate the feeling of this first time. Beg us to abuse and degrade you. Oh good, words, my favorite. I've gotten good with using words to drive my long-distance lover wild these last few months. Maybe, if I beg good enough, I can stroke my aching pussy in peace for a few minutes. But no, the anonymous men demand to hear my voice begging on video. It's not that I don't want to, but it scares me so much of my kink since the pandemic has been conducted through text. Using my voice forces me to inhabit my body, not just my head. It makes it more intimate, more real, and it forces a decision about whether I want to put a character spin on it. Do I try to sound sensual like a porn star? Scared like a submissive? Is my normal voice sexy enough? The weird thing is that in a context like this, it doesn't really matter if I am sexy enough, The entire point of this exercise is to shatter my ego into oblivion. They won't say nice things about me because that's not what any of us is looking for from this space. I won't be enough for them, and there will be a stream of sluts before me and after me who also won't be enough for them, and how we look or sound won't matter. And yet, if they're truly not turned on by the experience of having me totally in their control because my thighs are too jiggly or something, how sad for them. And that doesn't affect the experience I'm having at all. It's weirdly freeing. I speak the script in my normal voice and don't listen back to the video. One person leaves the chat. I find myself intensely curious about him. Is he in the middle of a date and doesn't want the notifications of anonymous genitalia blowing up his phone? Is he feeling uncomfortable with his participation in non-stop intense objectification? Will he be back? Who are the men in my anonymous audience? Maybe they are like me, feminists with a perverted side they want to explore safely. Maybe they are genuinely bad dudes who feel entitled to treat any woman this way, not just the ones who are into it. They could be rapists, white supremacists, people I would never want to erotically relate to in real life. My worry is not so much for my own safety, but that by saying yes to the promise of men's complete control over women, of me, I have helped set a dangerous precedent for the next woman. Erotic imaginations are powerful. I have felt the pull in my own body towards ever fewer limits. I could well imagine someone who has access to a stream of women saying yes to his every whim, missing the distinction of consent, and getting addicted. What kind of responsibility would I hold were that to happen? And would I ever know? I think about the latest in a long lineage of white male mass murderers who blamed his violent choices on women's sexual availability to him, or lack thereof. These men are radicalized by the communities they find on the internet, just a search term away from where I found this chat room. There was no vetting for me to join. All I had to do was be willing to take my clothes off. I'd assume there was just as little vetting for the men. I can't dwell on my second thoughts, because the instructions are coming fast and furious in the chat. They want a toy in my ass. Let's see the biggest one you got. Here, I depart from their instructions for the first time. They don't know my toy collection. I can't actually take my biggest butt toy, especially not warmed up, which is why I recently purchased a smaller one. I insert that one, and they are perfectly happy, as am I since it actually feels good. I ask permission to come, knowing it will be denied this early in the game, but that it will probably turn them on even more to think of having that extra control over me. Now that they know I have a well-stocked toy drawer, they want more and more toys. Rope around my breasts and my neck. Nipple clamps. Neck rope that I've tied myself is within my kink boundaries, and I know that it will be a visual thrill while being relatively safe. It takes a while to re-engage my brain enough to remember how to tie a simple breast harness. The texts pile up unanswered. If I needed a reminder that I'm still actually 100% in charge of this scenario, this is it. They can call me a disobedient bitch all they want, but I'm not going to compromise my aesthetic or safety standards. I send a photo with my hand on the neck rope as though it is choking me, though it's actually holding it in place. They immediately want more. The commands overlap, such that there is no way to do it all. Sometimes three men are asking for the same thing, their horny minds in tandem. A video of me sucking on a dildo. Sometimes the men are asking for different things, which gives me some choice of what to do first, what to ignore. Someone said nipple clamps, and that sounds more fun for me than sucking on a dildo. This isn't a democracy. Since putting them on takes both hands, I give myself a break from sending pics and don't send them any process shots, just the final result. Just the knowledge that so many horny strangers are waiting for me is keeping me aroused nearly at my breaking point. The actual reality of interacting with them, I can take or leave. I capture video of twisting the clothespins nearly 360 degrees. It looks painful, but the sensation is processed immediately into pleasure by my spinning brain. I've reached the point where I can't stall any longer on giving them the dildo blowjob they are clamoring for. They want me to take the silicone cock all the way down my throat. I'm not excited about the prospect. I will push my throat when sucking cock because I know it's extra good for the cock owner. But to just fuck up my own throat for the sake of a photo seems like a waste. And it's going to be hard to avoid showing my face. And yet, there's that thrill again of having given up my right to choose or control the situation. I get curious about how far I can push it. I whine about the dildo feeling too good in my pussy. And Dean chimes in telling me to be a good girl and obey. I hate how much I love that. And honestly, it's probably hotter for them to know that they are pushing my limits. I end up trying to swallow the dildo, and gagging theatrically, and they don't push it further. I blame my strong gag reflex on the fact that my husband has an average-sized cock, and they go wild, as I suspected they would. Now they want me to suck his cock on video. He's in the next room playing video games, and would not be into this at all. He lets me play with others, because he's pretty vanilla, but wants to make sure I'm sexually fulfilled. I tell them he's out, and that I have to have dinner waiting when he gets home. It's a Saturday, but they lap up the 1950s housewife vibe all the same. Why am I into this? I ask myself that over and over again, and the words that come to mind are, put me in my place. As a feminist, it's an uncomfortable phrase. In my vanilla life, I'm trying to take up more space and show more leadership, and yet, it's a difficult process where i faced a lot of rejection. There's something comforting about the idea that While I'm giving people pleasure here, I'm not special. I don't have to craft the perfect experience because there is no perfect experience for 20 different guys all over the world. I'm not responsible for coming up with my own ideas, just complying with theirs. I'm just an anonymous slut on the internet, and there will be another one along soon. At this point, another woman enters the chat. I've been told that it's mostly one slut at a time, but that more women get added periodically. It's fine with me because I'm ready to tap out at this point, but I find her approach really weird. She says she can't do live photos or videos and just spams the chat with photos from past play in quick succession without waiting for the men to tell her what they want to see from her. I'm curious what's in it for her. If she can't do live photos, is that because she's in a place where she can't give her full focus to this experience? Why would she want to do something this intense in such a half-assed way? I wonder if she is, in fact, not the petite blonde woman in the photos at all. Sharing stolen nude seems to be a very common kink, though I had to provide a verification photo before I started. Interestingly, none of the men interact with her at all. I say, I need to go, but it looks like you have a new toy to play with. They clamor to see me come before I go. I am happy to try. I've never captured my orgasm on video, but I'm finally turned on enough for it to happen. For the last few minutes, I've been deliberately holding it back, but the feeling of imminent climax is getting stronger and harder to ignore. I know I won't be able to come back from the edge this time. The video button in the chat room I'm using thwarts me, though. There's one button that you press for photo or hold for video, and there's only a very subtle haptic notification that video is working that I'm way too wound up to feel. I am dutifully holding down the button and not recording anything but my orgasm rips through me nonetheless, leaving me panting and shaking. Dean removes me from the chat.
0: Okay, my friend that's it for today thanks for listening i hope you learned something new today or that i reminded you of something you already knew or do and that you feel inspired and encouraged to prioritize sex pleasure and orgasms in your busy life if you love this podcast please share it with your friends and give it a rating or review so this important message can reach more people on this planet thank you so much for being here and i'll see you next time